Hey guys, so for this episode I spoke to one of my work friends Robin and she's recently come over to the UK from South Africa so she's been here for a couple of months and I thought this would be great to kind of explore and just almost find out what the differences are really between South Africa and the UK and also we're both two huge nerds so we get a bit nerdy in the uh, closing ends of the podcast but I hope you guys enjoy. So hi everyone, I have Robin in the room who somebody I've been working with Um, and it's really funny how we met actually because I remember (laughs) Robin just kind of sitting there and turning and was like, do you know where I need to get a post office or something? Um, Yeah, I was actually asking you, can I contact a post office? Yeah, and I was really confused at the question. Yeah, and and I I just, well I wasn't supposed to be sitting there that day, I was supposed to be sitting with marketing people and there wasn't enough space so I just wandered off to sit in a different seat with a bunch of strangers and um, I've been sitting there googling for a good hour at least, <laughs> trying to figure out how do I contact one specific post office. That's almost when the payout becomes like, do I make myself awkward or do yes. I just carry on? And, and eventually yes. I just hit breaking point and I was like, I'm just going to ask them. <laughs> and um, and then I did and then you, you were all so helpful and, and friendly about it and you yeah. all tried to help answer the questions which <laughs> didn't have an answer. But... And we all started googling as well. Yeah. Well, the same conclusion and we were like, yeah, you're going to have to, yeah, have to walk. Yeah. But was that, that was for your like residency permit? Was yeah. It, or yeah. You... So how long had you been in the UK? At that point, I think I'd been in the UK for two weeks. Yeah. So it was all very new. Everything was new. Yeah. I didn't know where anything was. And I, th- I think it's, it's good to almost start off the story with why you made the decision to come over mm. before we get into, well, London. Because like, <laughs> I also remember the big list. Yeah. You made <laughs> which was a fun exercise. But yeah. So um, almost starting back in South Africa. Okay. So I had my job back home and... Um, I'd applied internally for this position here because it's the same company, Vodafone has an office in South Africa. And I didn't really think it would happen, but I mean, I don't know how in depth you want me to go here, but in the beginning- Well, as much as you want, really. Right, okay, well, in the beginning of, in January last year, I remember waking up one day and, and saying to myself, I don't know how and I don't know when, but I'm going to live in the UK. Yeah. Was it like a light switch? It was a light switch. I I don't know how. And did you have like influences before then? Like, were did you were you thinking about moving abroad? Not really. No. I mean, I've always had an I've always had this like affinity towards the UK. Yeah. Um, but it it was what and it was such a definitive moment, and I can remember it so clearly because I woke up and I was like, "Come hell or high water, this is going to happen." And then two weeks later, I got an email saying that there's vacancies in my team in the base. So it's UK. almost like fate, wasn't it? It was it's like so, a sign it was so weird. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it felt like. Yeah. So I just started applying and I did loads of interviews and things. And I, I'd kind of given up on the idea for, the, for Vodafone. And um, I was in an Uber on my way to go out to a bar. And I get a phone call from the UK. And my first thought was, oh, this is going to be my decline. And I answer the phone call and the guy on the other end goes, so Robin, I just thought I'd like to, you know, I just wanted to contact you about your contract and I just want to take you through some, you know, some of the payments, uh, you know, your salary and that kind of thing. And please let me know if this is okay with you. And he just we rambled on. And I said, 
wait, whoa, 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 does this mean I got the job? And he was like, oh, yes, I thought I'd give you some good news on a Friday. <laughs> and I think I just started screaming in the back of this Uber all by myself. I just, like, <laughs> couldn't believe it. Um, and then, yeah, the, the motivation behind all of that was... I think life can become quite mundane as a new working person. Like definitely at, with our generation. Yeah. Right? At yeah. first it's really exciting and you you career driven and all that. And then you are spending your second year going walking the exact same route you walked for two years. And there's just something about that that felt boring and not enough. And this is such an adventure and so out of my comfort zone. And um just pushed me in ways I've never been pushed before and I, I wanted that. I wanted a challenge and something new and something fresh. So I went for it. Yeah, so it's almost like <laughs> I love the story of how the stars almost aligned like two months later. Yeah. Like, By the way, you yeah. should do this. And I think generally like people I've spoken to who have come abroad have generally gone down that route of like we kind of one day just applied for something and didn't really think anything. Anything would come of it, out of yeah. It. And then all of a sudden it's like boom and then yeah. you're there. So what, what, like, so let's say you just flew in to mm. the UK first day. Yes. First time ever in the UK. Really as well? I've never so it's like a big gamble. You could have hated it. I could have hated it. You could it. have like, did you watch any YouTube videos and stuff before? Um, I watched a hell of a lot of grand designs. Okay. <laughs> also, another good question as well is actually, did you have like expectations of the UK? that were formed in your head before you came. Yes. And then were they, were there some of them that just kind of completely got crushed when you got here? I did think it would be a lot more quaint. Yeah. And then you came to London, of all places. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, it's pretty similar to Joburg. (laughs) I also, okay, so my, my perceptions of the UK were, um, sort of, driven by people that spoke to me about it and a lot of what people said was it's cold grey and miserable which is like the stereotype pretty much and the people are too I mean which is they can be but but on the whole we're generally when I arrived um I and and it's funny it was again it was an Uber driver um that was my first interaction with a single person in the UK I got my Uber from the airport to my accommodation and he was the friendliest, sweetest person. He gave me advice on where to buy my first jacket because um, I didn't have any, which I still wear. And was this the big the, 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 Yeah, yeah. So where did he send you to go? He up sent from? me to TK Maxx. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he was so friendly, and he took he explained every area that we drove through, and like gave me a little breakdown on it, and a, a you know an idea. To, oh, this is very affluent. No, oh, this is not such a nice area. Don't live here. And, yeah. You know, it, it was just so kind and ever since then every person I've come to know and, and meet has been really really accepting and friendly and kind and the weather's been lovely <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's sunny today kind it's, of it's, yeah. <laughs> it's been sunny most days and I've been really surprised because I've braced myself for this like cold especially day. with this huge coat that you bought off yeah, the back of this yeah. recommendation right <laughs> I mean you wore it yesterday I wore it every day yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yes, no, no, that's that's really a. It's almost like a journey, right? And I guess yeah. so. F- comparing it back to South Africa, yes. And I think there's two things here. There's almost like one is almost like what are the obstacles you came across when you first moved here? But I don't know if that's a bit boring. Unless <laughs> uh, yeah. you have any like really funky. Oh, oh, I have got okay. one. Okay, so um, opening a bank account was such a nightmare when I arrived. All right. And um, this is more going to just be a. a 
brand push, but <laughs> um, I was, this isn't endorsed by it's, any yeah, this is not endorsed. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I so I had all these troubles opening a bank account because they wanted all these numbers in my NI number, and I just didn't have any of this information. And <laughs> the one night I woke up at one o'clock in the morning and I had an epiphany because somebody had mentioned Monzo, oh, okay. and and they were like, you should open a Monzo account. And I woke up at one o'clock and I opened this account in twenty minutes, and I was so impressed. It took this <laughs> weight off my shoulders. But um, if there's any advice I can give to somebody immigrating, close your bank account back home it's a nightmare operating between the two it's just really difficult so either that or black transfer all the numbers and everything into somebody else's name so that they can access it yeah that's yeah. my biggest gripe yeah because there's so much <laughs> to think about as well that you don't even think about until you come over and then you all of a sudden it's like didn't, didn't was it you mentioned about the healthcare as well no idea how um, the nhs works yeah and you were like what we have free health yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like wait a minute <laughs> i just walk in <laughs> i think i think i think most people don't really know how it works but they just walk in and yeah yeah it was amazing i think that's so cool yeah so I guess for your South African friends that we've been listening to this, yeah, it's generally we generally get free healthcare funded by taxes, um, which I now pay. Which you now pay. Oh. So are you really paying for healthcare? I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just makes it a lot more accessible. But yeah, yeah. and I, I guess like when you go to other countries, um, you just kind of have to pay quite a lot off the out, outset. And I guess it means that a lot of people avoid going to the doctors. Like, yes. there's a different mentality here of like, I don't know, I have this rash, let me go check it out. <laughs> yeah. Versus, I'm basically crippled. I need to go and use my own money to. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I guess um, that in terms of obstacles, but in terms of the biggest differences, I guess. So, the first one that I really noticed was. Um, we don't have public transport in South Africa, so we you do. just walk and drive everywhere. We drive. Yeah. So I'm fortunate enough, to, uh, well, I was fortunate enough to have owned a car. Mm -hmm. um, there, there is a taxi system, but I would, I would not normally use the taxi system, and there is one train in Johannesburg, and that goes across the city, mostly to get people to the airport. Um, but you wouldn't use that to get to work, really, because it, it won't go along the right routes. So we drive everywhere. Um, what it does mean is that you spend a lot of time by yourself in mm. a car, isolated. Uh, that can be up to two hours, three hours a day. Here, you're on the ground, surrounded by people all the time. You're, you're really close to yeah. other individuals, strangers, <laughs> all the time. That I don't do much. You know, you spend so much time walking places mm. that I, I would not walk around on the streets in South Africa. I'd walk between shops and things like that. But yeah, you're walking along the road a lot of the time. And, and, that, and that was really interesting for me. Being so it's, always, it's, really, it's really weird as well, because it's something that I wouldn't necessarily think about. is a novelty, I guess. Yeah. That just being squished on a tube or walking half an hour to Pesoho or something. And, and I know for you guys, you hate it, but I absolutely love it. <laughs> I love watching people and seeing their lives and, and imagining what their life is 
do you ever do that thing? All the time. You, yeah. yeah. So I've always like I've always thought it'd be really cool is imagine getting one carriage of a tube of a tube and then mapping out like little dots on a map like and where everybody goes. Following where they go. Because yes. one guy might have a suitcase and end up in a different country, and another person goes here. I so know. Go so I like to make their story in my head while I'm looking at them, and I I probably make far too much eye contact on the tube for Londoners <laughs> reference, but um, I like to just stare at people and wonder oh I want, you know why have they got that bag or so what's the craziest theory you've come up with a theory of, of yeah. oh um, <laughs> <laughs> there there was quite a a creepy like oldish man and I was pretty convinced that he'd grown one of the biggest butternuts in the whole world <laughs> <laughs> and he, he was a really proud owner of this giant butternut and I, was like, <laughs> I love it there's just so many people as well I know yeah. that's brilliant but um yeah so I guess the tube is almost a novelty was there anything else that was a big kind of difference for you in 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 culture Oh, eating out so much. And I think this is a difficult one for a lot of Londoners, especially, because I feel like a lot yeah. of people want to cook, but when it's such a social place and you have friends everywhere yeah. and you just end up kind of eating out all the time. And they started to release these services, like, I don't know if you've heard of them, like HelloFresh. Yes, and then they, and do, then like, they deliver Australia the ingredients. Yeah. yeah. So some people have tried to get on that bandwagon, but even then it's like, yeah. And even, I think for me as well, I would cook like two or three times a week or try at least. But then there's the flexibility of like your friends like, oh, let's go for dinner or let's do this or do that. And then yeah. suddenly you're just, you've eaten Eating out, out like, like a Bombay burrito. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the good old Bombay burrito. But yeah. yeah. The other thing that I noticed is I, I thought I'd come over here. I mean, I knew there were a lot of South Africans, but I thought I would be a, a little bit of an anomaly mm. at least. Man, was I wrong. There are so many foreign accents here. There were more foreign accents than there are English accents. I think honest. this is something that's like known to London as well. It's like just so diverse. Yeah. You can probably just jump on any tube and there's about at least 15 different cultures. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. But that's what makes it so cool is that it's just this combination of all these different thoughts and opinions and it all just mixes in one place and, and that's they just put Brexit on top they put Brexit on top and you get all these fusion foods that come out yeah. <laughs> I think yeah like especially in my area there's all these like kebab shops and like yeah. all these Persian people and these Turkish people and it's just so diverse yeah and I wouldn't and then I'd go to a different area of London and it'd be completely different you might get to like the posh district of all the kind of like fencing players and stuff. But, yeah. Yeah, but no, I think I really enjoy that. <laughs> and I think that's something definitely living in London, I guess, you're exposed to. Yeah. And you just become more open, I think, as well, even if you weren't originally. Yeah. Just being exposed to kind of different cultures and different people, even at work. Yeah. And I know some certain countries you can definitely sometimes get pigeonholed in. Yeah, yeah, as a foreigner. Or, but what, what I do think it, it helps with is because everybody has a backstory on how they ended up in London. Even British people have a backstory on yeah, how they came yeah. here. Um, and that, that's what makes people very open to including you in things and inviting you to groups because it, some, everybody was that person at one stage. 
So that's made it quite easy to yeah. to fit in. And I guess I've almost adopted you in my yes. group. Now, so, <laughs> so yeah, so I think yeah. I think I remember the day as well when uh, I was talking to Robin upstairs in the um, cafeteria canteen thing. Yeah. And you were like, "What did you get up to at the weekend?" And I think my friend recommended me like an anime at the time. Yeah, I didn't really watch anime, but I was like, yeah, I just watch this anime. And you were like, I love anime. And you were like, I'm a big nerd. And I was like, we started talking about Dungeons and Dragons. And I was like, great, come on over. Yeah. So, yeah, that was so almost that's a good segue into how I started to speak to Robin more as well. It's just deep down, she's a huge nerd. <laughs> and she was looking for people to almost unleash that. Geek, geek out on, geek yeah. Out on, yeah. Um, but yeah, so segueing into that, I think something interesting that I've thought was that yeah. you're almost what well, you said you go back home and play Dungeons and Dragons with your family yes. and stuff it's just such an alien concept for me because I, I wouldn't really see my family as like I don't know if I kind of played D&D with my family I think they'd be like <coughs> what where's the board what is yeah. this right so do you think like I guess has your family been a big influence in who did it start yeah. with is that like someone in your family who's um, like, it, like your dad or your mom or no, brother so it was my it was my brother that mentioned it but we'd all obviously i mean i think stranger things got us all back on the train of D. &D. Yeah. but um we'd watched we'd all watch stranger things and i think my brother mentioned at dinner once he said oh i'm thinking of playing D, &D and we were all like yes sick yeah. sign us up so he he got i think we all bought him the manual for his birthday and then he started learning how to dm and stuff and then when when we started playing the first game we said to my mom would you would you like to play and she was like i don't really understand it but i'll try it out and so we played our first game it was my my brother dming my other brother my sister my mom and i playing and um yeah that's just how it started it was great <laughs> the rest was history, yeah the rest was history and we actually played the whole of christmas and new year's I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a random D&D &D moment that you remember from your family, I guess? I guess. Oh, um, there was a really funny moment where my brother, I think he was bard. Yeah. And so he... for, the, for, the, for those guys who don't know what we're geeking out on right <laughs> yeah. now, I, um, I've kind of briefly mentioned it before, but Dungeons and Dragons is almost like a storytelling game. So we all kind of tell a story together and play as characters. I think that's the easiest yeah. way to and, put and it. And I think the thing that people don't understand about Dungeons and Dragons is, like you said, it's not on a board or anything. A lot of it's in your mind. It's it's sort of a shared imagination or a shared ex experience, I guess. Yeah. Um, I like to think of it as dreaming together. That sounds pretty cool, but it, also may sound pretty lame for some people as well. I, I think that sounds <laughs> epic. <laughs> kind of like participating in a in an imaginary world together so and yeah. people just try and it is a definitely a crazy experience so if it, anybody yeah. gets the opportunity to play it at least once just i wouldn't knock it. it just try it yeah. and see it could be the worst thing ever it could be the greatest thing ever yeah. <laughs> but it's definitely worth trying at least once i think but anyway, so your, was it your mum that was playing a bard? No, it was yeah. my brother. So your brother, and then the bard character is almost like somebody who's quite musical. Very charismatic. Very entertainer -y. Yeah. Yeah. And um, 
he he was looking after the villagers while the rest of us were you know trying to kill the goblins or something like that that had taken over the actual village so they were all outside and um we came back to find him and he'd wooed all of the villagers <laughs> how did he manage that and he played us he he rolled a natural 20 oh, and, and he played something so beautiful <laughs> <laughs> that the villagers just didn't want to leave him so then we had this like group of villagers that followed us everywhere <laughs> they <laughs> were just so cold. in awe of this mod yeah. and, <laughs> and they didn't want to go back to their, their home village or anything like that and some other crazy stuff happened but it was a while ago since we played so and I feel like it's, it's hilarious how far your imagination can take you I mean even in our game <laughs> yeah. which is with the uh, like spinning of the object <laughs> 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 like, I mean I'm not going to mention it but <laughs> those who know will know Yeah. but um, yeah so I think to everybody out there who hasn't really tried Dungeons and Dragons, I really didn't know what it was either. No. And one of my friends, Leo, basically, kind of like how your brother did, said, I want to try this out. Yeah, would, it, would anybody be keen? And two years later, we're still playing it down the line, so... Yeah. It's pretty... And it's social, and, it, and you laugh so much during the game. And, or yeah. get drunk as well. Or get drunk. Or the combination of the two. The combination of the two. Yeah. <laughs> and so, two, like, I guess two more things to round off uh, that I really wanted to ask you about, yeah. really, was first, this weird Age of Empires game. Oh, yes. that you keep going on about. <laughs> and two, fantasy books as well. Oh, I know you, yes. Oh, so my I, gosh. I, I, let, let's go Age of Empires, then we'll okay. round off with fantasy books. But um, So Robin basically tells me about this Age of Empires game that she plays with her family. <laughs> And I have no idea kind of what it is. You tried to briefly explain it to me earlier, but... So yeah, just give me that... Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> the exact summary. The exact summary. It requires <laughs> is a really, really old game. Because uh, we played two, not three. Did you say that two is the best one? Two is the best one. Yeah, yeah. Two is the best one. It's undisputed. Um, and... It's, it's a game where you, you start off with a, like a town centre and a couple of villages and you're in the Stone Age and you've got to build your way up the ages by collecting resources and building different things and, and acquiring knowledge, you know. It almost sounds like building. an advanced version of Catan. Yes, and, it, it's, and some people have compared it to civilization as well. Yeah. Um, and then once you've built your civilization, your, your town up enough, then you start building up an army and then you go attack one another. Um, and but then, do they, so do the other people have visibility on your no, stuff? So they can just get attacked at any point? No, so you've got to send out, um, you open up the map as you explore it. And so you can go and, you know, uh, infiltrate the enemy base and, and open up more of that map and then you can see what's going on there. Yeah. Um, it's so hard to explain now that I, <laughs> there's so I'm many elements. Going, I'm definitely going but, to go uh, watch a YouTube video. I have so. all of the expansion packs. So you're Steam. a pretty hardcore fan. I bought all of them. Yep, and so we play as a family. So it's my my dad, my two brothers, my sister, myself, and whoever wants to join in. And we play every single holiday. I think this and is. I think we're gonna adopt this into a, yes. with Leo and the guys, yes. right? If you guys are listening, Leo and Katie, <laughs> we're play, we're having a lamp party. Yeah, so lamp party. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and we've done this for years, so it's almost nice how like. All these games have brought you guys closer. Yeah, as well, yeah. Because right? I'm I'm the only extrovert in a family of introverts, and um, do I, you feel like you bring everybody out when you come home? Um, I do, but you know, 
to their frustration as well because I'm so loud and they're like, oh, Robin, you're so loud. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do make them all, whatever they were doing in their rooms by themselves, I just make them do it all in the same room. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. <laughs> and then just moving on to fantasy books. So I've been yes. a big fantasy book geek. I think I find it really hard when I was at university to just read because I feel like I was reading all the time, like yeah. journals and all this kind yeah. of heavy stuff that the last thing I wanted to do was read. But ever since I started working, I've gotten really back into reading, especially on the tube and commutes yeah. and whatnot. And um, I think I read like Ready Player One and like Name Ooh, of the Wind yes. because Carter gave me that. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh my God, these books have got totally immerse me that I was actually like page yeah. turner like not yeah, even right sleeping there, one is amazing. so um I've read a few of those so you sent me a whole bunch of books <laughs> I did give me a little bit of an introduction like, oh what, my what? gosh and are these your favorite books or? they are yeah, they're so my favorite good. so my favorite series of all time that I'm a, I, I guess completely immersed in the world is Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson and the reason I like it so much is I started off by reading uh, the Mistborn trilogy by yeah. him and what he's done is he's created a world it's called the Cosmia and he's got a whole bunch of books from this that are on different planets and all all of them are related to one another and there are these characters they're like easter eggs in each book um, one of them is called Hoyd yeah. and he appears in each one of oh, the so books so you don't really know they don't really pay attention to it but you get the references you as, you, as the reader know who yeah. he is if you've been paying if you've read up on the Cosmia but he's not like a, a massive influence in the book itself um, and at the end of all of these books Brandon is going to write the story about Hoyd the world hopper and uh, okay so it's kind of bringing together yeah. that one guy yeah kind of being yeah but you it's kind of it's kind of a mysterious character yes yeah, right? super mysterious yeah. and then all the magic systems in all of these books are based on um and, and I've read a, I've listened to a lot of his lectures is he doesn't write a magic system that's like Gandalf where it's just this like you're not really sure what Gandalf is capable of doing. Mm. You know, he's just magical. Yeah. This mag- you just assume that he's yeah, like, oh, yeah. That he can do stuff. Um, this magic system is really controlled. It's in a confined system. So if you consume a metal, uh, you burn that metal off and it gives you an ability. Or you consume light and it gives you an ability, but for a set amount of time. Yeah, so, so with, there is confines around. Yeah, yeah, within those rules, he does these really cool things, and he, he, he allows you as the reader to say, ah, oh, but I know that shouldn't be possible because I understand the rules of this magic system, and, um, and that's what makes it really cool, and his, his world building is insane. I was going to go into that, actually, because it's, I always find it so impressive how these people, especially like authors, or yeah. it's even cross-references it back to Dungeons and Dragons actually yes. is how and, and like going more mainstream like yeah. um, Harry Potter as well yeah. how does this massive world just come out of one person's mind My, it's incredible it and is. interestingly enough Brandon Sanderson was a big D&D player yeah. and, and he attributes a lot of his um, imagination and, and his success in his writing toward towards Dungeons and Dragons and towards Magic the Gathering. And he said that those two games just allowed him to think about things like combat really, really clearly in his mind. Because when you play D and D, you've got to say how you killed the yeah, you yeah. know, the, the thing at the end and um, 
he said that that allowed him to picture picture it so clearly and explain it so well and yeah that's why i really enjoy it and, and it's also got like epic things like just massive plates of armor and big swords and stuff like that <laughs> well, like, well, ticking off all the yeah boxes, ticking off all the boxes yeah so i think that that's going to definitely be a good uh, book to read and then yeah. you sent me more haven't you so <laughs> i've got to add them to my reading list but i'm looking yeah. forward to this but um yeah and is, is there anything else you want to kind of round off with i guess before we finish it off oh well, I'm or a nugget of inf- of like uh, advice or information or something. Cool a, fun fact. a fun fact. Um, there is a spot on one of Jupiter's moons. I think it's Jupiter, on one of Jupiter's moons that is unexplained. It's like a dark spot, um, and they named that spot Mordor. I love it. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Fact. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Thanks, guys. <laughs>